It's OLWJ Captivation, unlimited enthusiasm toward the future. The podcast introducing you to boundless superstars and other professional individuals who are capable of providing you information on achieving maximum success. Segments and episodes of the podcast will be devoted to financial wellness, for everyone deserves a shot at broadening their financial horizon. I am the host, Otis Lewis Wilson Jr. Welcome. John Inslee had a wake-up call in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. He realized he wasn't living his best life and his beliefs about money and financial situations seemed to play a central role. He looked around. He wondered, why was he doing it this way? Why is everyone doing it this way? These questions and many others led John on a journey of self-discovery that encompassed a formal financial education, hundreds of books, blogs, podcasts, and more than a few learning experiences. In 2012, he launched J. Inslee Financial to help others like himself. This includes tips, his own financial planning protocol. Here is a recorded interview with John Inslee on OLWJ Captivation, the podcast in which the letters in the title represent my name. John, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. You are so welcome. I'm super excited to be here, Otis. Fantastic. John, let's get started by you telling the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay, great. Happy to. Um, so I, I live in Washington State currently. Um, I also split my time a good bit between here and the southern tip of the Baja Peninsula down in Mexico, a city called La Paz. So I spend... Uh, Oh, six to seven months uh, here in Washington and the rest of the time down in La Paz when it's uh, a little cold and rainy here in Washington state. Um, I have uh, two adult kids um, and then my wife has two adult kids. So four adult children and then a 14 year old um, daughter and a couple of grandkids. They live out in Idaho and um, just uh, super excited to be here. Fantastic. Let's talk about how the financial services industry has impacted your life. And from what I understand, it all started with the 2008 financial crisis. Absolutely. Um, so that was kind of my, what I refer to as my wake up call, um, where I was kind of doing doing things the, um, the, the way I had been told was the right way to do things and and sort of saw that all fall apart in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. I was involved in some real estate investments that uh, that imploded and retirement plans that that took a, a serious downturn. And it, so it just really made me step back and say, okay, what don't I know? And that really started me on kind of this journey of self-discovery um, to, to digging into money and finance and, and the, the whole thing around it and um, kind of taking a deep dive in figuring out what I didn't know. And I found out I didn't know a whole lot of things. For example, what are some things that you did not know, if 
you had to name three things that you did not know, what would those three things be? I think one of the most fundamental of those top three would be the difference between money and currency and where currency comes from and how it comes into existence and the, the institutions and the systems that are in place um, and how all of that flows. I was completely really ignorant of, of how money works, where it comes from, what the Federal Reserve does, um, all of those kinds of functionings of the currency system that we use today, I had, I had no idea. Um, and so, so that was a real eye-opener to me um, to get into some of those things. I would say the, uh, the second thing that I didn't know uh, had, has to do with risk and w whether risk is really required, how much risk in order to be successful financially. Um, and then the, the number three thing uh, was just the, the huge importance of saving. Having a portion of your income dedicated to saving uh, is probably more important than anything else. When we talk about saving, so many people miss the mark on saving. Why would you say that's the case? Well, I know, I, I think for me personally, um, way back when here, going back probably 20 years, I kind of had this belief system that the company retirement plan, the matching and all of the things that went on with that uh, sort of gave me the permission slip not to save and um, could not have been more wrong about that. Uh, saving is so much more than just planning for retirement, right? It's super critical to have, have money set aside for a, a number of different things that can pop up in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Getting into the desire to start your own business, what was the motivational piece for that importance of your life? Sure. So as I took this deep dive and I, I read uh, many, 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 many books and, and, um, and learning about money and learning about financial systems and, and learning about these things, I, I came across a few things that really captured my attention. Um, and one of them was the concept of using properly structured life insurance as a savings vehicle. Um, and as I went, went down that path and, and began setting up my own program and, and saving in my own life at that point using that tool, I got very, very passionate about it. Um, I was a, in a very successful sales career at the time doing industrial sales, but um, I really wanted to do something that I had some passion for and I had some passion around this idea. And so that really caused me uh, in 2012 is when all of this kind of came to a point. Um, caused me to decide to make a career change and, and get into the, the financial services industry, so to speak. Um, so I think I, my path in was, might be a little, little bit different um, than some in that there was a you know, very specific purpose behind it. I like to say that as a financial professional, I'm very mission oriented, uh, very driven to share these concepts that I've discovered with, with other people. Some people do not understand the concept and the principles of being mission-oriented. How would you define that? So the way I would define that, um, when, I, when I worked in the, the sales business, I was in an industrial sales, and I was very good at it. I did that for almost 14 years. And, but I had no 
um, no driving force in the morning when I got up to go to work, right? It was, it was just a job. I didn't have any passion around it. I didn't have any, there was no great mission in my life to go sell some more nuts and bolts that day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to put it in simple terms. So I think the difference between being mission oriented is purpose. I have this solid purpose every day. Uh, when I get up, I have this solid purpose that um, there's this concept, there's these philosophies that I want to take out into the world and share with people. And it just, it, it's motivating to have that purpose in your work. And in 2012, you embarked upon your own business and this business would center around what concepts from the beginning? So the very beginning, it was centered around uh, life insurance and insurance products. Um, I mentioned there was a, a life insurance concept. It's been called a lot of things, uh, the infinite banking concept or bank on yourself or cash flow banking. Um, but it's the idea of using properly structured life insurance as a savings vehicle um, and a self-financing vehicle. And that's really what launched my career in, in 2012 was that concept. Mm-hmm. And the concept of tips, this is what I discovered you from and learned about what you do. Talk to me about that. Happy to. So TIPS is an acronym uh, for tax-efficient, income-focused, preservation-oriented, self-financed planning protocol. Um, It's something I developed over the the past 10 years in practice working with clients, and it really encapsulates the four key concepts that I think are critical um, to to a solid plan. So we need things to be tax efficient, right? I think if you look at it, taxes is probably the biggest expense that we will incur over our lifetime. And that's really the focus there is it's lifetime tax efficiency, not just reducing our tax bill this year, but reducing our tax bill over a lifetime or minimizing it as much as possible. Um, Focusing on income rather than purely on accumulation, right? At the end of the day, we build up a retirement plan. Its purpose at the end is to generate an income, a passive income that can support us in um, later in life. I actually don't care much for the word retirement. I prefer passive income because that's really what we're talking about. the other, the other factor there, preservation-oriented. Once we've accumulated some assets and we're focusing on income and we're making it tax-efficient, we don't want to lose those assets. So it's critical that we preserve what we've built up. And then uh, the final piece of that, self-financing. This really comes down to every family has a need for finance. And if we can use our own resources that we're building up, as a source of that finance, rather than using the banks and the credit cards and the the finance companies and so forth, um, we can get far, far ahead financially by using our own resources. So those four components, um, I think, are are really critical. So I came up with this TIPS planning protocol acronym uh, as a way to to educate people about that. I've found myself that in the financial profession, many people are afraid of the basic concepts. I wouldn't say afraid, but they are intimidated by some of the basic concepts of finances. So how have you been successful at bringing the TIPS concept home and helping people to understand it? 
It's a great question, Otis. Um, and I think I think what I've been able to do is take this tips concept and develop it into a conceptual story that I can kind of walk people through a process that I can walk a potential client or a client through. And the, the first thing we talk about is the financial life cycle. And the, the financial life cycle is this, the, you know, we're all working, we're generating income, we're making money, and, and we start saving. And as those savings build up, that's the accumulation phase. We're building that up. And, and most people are familiar with that concept and comfortable with it. Um, people are familiar but less comfortable with the idea of distribution. And that is when we get to that point, finally, where we're now going to live off the income we've created from, from these accumulated savings. Um, we're going to distribute it, that income. Um, there's a piece in the middle there, though, that's probably the biggest mistake that you see pre-retirees make, and that's what I call the preservation phase. So it should be accumulation, preservation, distribution. Um, but a lot of people kind of forget that preservation piece, and they try to go straight from accumulation to distribution. And in the case of a, a big market downturn or some, some sort of event like that, um, that can have a devastating effect on your savings. The preservation piece isn't in there. When we talk and, about the preservation piece, uh, you want to perhaps explain that just a little bit more? You bet. So the critical time is as you approach retirement and right after retirement. So that 10 years before or the 10 years after that point when someone's going to retire is really that critical point where a, a big downturn or a big loss can have a devastating effect on the income that can be generated from that portfolio. Because at that point in time, you really have uh, shortened the time frame that someone has to allow recovery. And so it's super important to protect that that uh, those that money in those two 10-year periods. And the, the way we talk about that or the way I, I share that with people is we really want to use um, a concept called bucket planning. Bucket planning's been around forever. Financial professionals have talked about it. It's really about allocating your savings um, into a short-term, mid-term, and long-term category. I, I change those up a little bit in the way I approach it in that the, the short-term category is really emergency funds, income for 12 to 24 months, planned expenses, things like that. Um, that midterm is really where my practice focuses a lot on. And that midterm is, this is the preservation piece. This is where we're positioning our savings so that it's conservative, we keep it safe, we keep it tax efficient, um, and it's at some point going to create a bridge of income between the short-term and long-term categories or buckets, if you will. And then that long-term bucket, this is our inflation hedge. This is that long-term money that's just gonna grow um, and it's also gonna be tax efficient. The thing about the long-term category that a lot of people miss is, um, is that spousal income replacement really comes out of these long-term funds. Because at some point, we're, we're all gonna reach the end. Uh, none of us knows when's that, when that's gonna come, but there's gonna be an effect on the surviving spouse from an income standpoint. So we wanna position some funds to deal with that eventuality. And one of the things that I, I really love about using life insurance in part and, and insurance products like some types of annuities is that the, the life insurance cash values that can build up really can span 
all three buckets in a way. The, the short-term cash values are there for emergency funds or to contribute to that. In the midterm, it can be used to bridge income between the two points. And of course, the, the death benefits in the long-term can be used for that spousal income replacement. Very, very interesting. How do you stand in the market in regards to insurance salesmen with the tips, uh, I should say, I guess, program or philosophy that you have? So I, th I think life insurance is probably one of the most misunderstood um, financial tools that are out there. And that's what it is. It's a financial tool, not unlike a lot of other financial that tools. That is correct, yes. Um, but I think it's very misunderstood. And because of that, I think the, I, you know, the internet age has made things challenging in some ways in that there's so much information out there, YouTube channels, blogs, websites, uh, podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, that I think it's, um, it's sometimes a little hard to sort through. And just like, but you know, it's, it's, it's really like everything else in life. Right. You can you can get um, some products that are quality and you can get some products that are mid range and you can get some products that are poor quality. And there are are people we can call them salespeople that are behind every one of those categories. And so your your experience can be wildly different. And I think the the key to it all is education. Educate yourself, understand um, what some of these tools are and how they work. And if it if it. If it sounds like uh, snake oil, maybe it is. <laughs> I would agree with that. And there are people who refuse to get that education. Why do you suppose that's the case? Oh, I think it's probably out of uh, either fear or frustration or both. There, I think there comes a point when you're, oh, you're overloaded with information and you don't know what to think. Um, but I, I think really take, take a deep breath and evaluate things from a very objective standpoint and keep an open mind, as hard as that might sound. Um, keep an open mind to new ideas and new concepts. Just do your due diligence. And how has your company been able to, I guess the word to use is overcome or has been able to um, adjust to that fact of people not wanting to be or to become educated? So when, when someone first finds me, one of the first things I talk about is that this, this is not necessarily a sales process. This is an education process. Mm -hmm. um, and, in, and in the financial services industry, I think there's a long history of teaching uh, financial salespeople the, the hard sell, the close. That's correct. Um, and I don't, I don't take that approach. Uh, I take an educational approach. I will share as much information as I have um, with someone, and I think at the end of the day, they decide whether I'm credible, trustworthy, and whether they want to work with me or not. It's not about me closing them on something. It, it's I just I only want to work with clients who want to work with me and and who understand the concepts. The ideologies of building a good lifestyle. And to make a living or good living, what are your thoughts about that? 
Well, that one's really close to home for me um, in, in terms of designing the life you want. One of the one of the philosophies I, I talk with folks about all the time is don't build your life around an income. Design the life you want and build an income around it that supports it. And I, I think if you do it that way, you get a lot more satisfaction in your life. And, and ultimately, we're all after happiness. So I, I think it's, it's, especially in the internet age, it's totally possible to design a life and then build an income around that life. Uh, you just have to be creative and um, a little mission-oriented, as we talked about earlier, and, um, and you, can, you can put that together. And one of my greatest thrills in my practice is, is working with folks like that, that are trying to design a life, and then the things that I, that I can help them with to achieve that is extremely fulfilling. With your practice, are you working by yourself or do you have individuals working with you? How is your practice actually set up, if you don't mind me asking? No, not at all. I, uh, I am pretty much a solo operator. Um, I do have some support through some, uh, through some other organizations, but mostly I work by myself. Fantastic. When we talk about taxes and the savings element uh, investing, all of those things, how do you see them coming together for a person to have a good financial toolkit? Great question, Otis. And I, I think that is what I, what I talk about is building a baseline, right? We want to build a foundation financially that's tax-efficient, income-focused, preservation oriented and will allow us to to be our own source of financing if we can build that baseline and and then the results we get from that baseline can kind of feed up the risk pyramid if you will and we can start using those resources to take on some risk if it's uh if it's warranted if it's justified so the whole idea is to build a build a baseline that is impenetrable that is uncrumbleable and then take on a little more risk as you as you get beyond that point um, to leverage your your finances and your investing. Mm -hmm. Would you say that investing is the toughest part of the financial puzzle to understand, or is that I, a misconception? What would you say I about think it's, that? I think it's a misconception. Um, I think. I think a lot of folks out there perceive themselves as investors when they're really traders. Um, you know, investing is a very long-term approach. It's a very um, risk-mitigating approach. Um, you know, the the, the famous uh, Warren Buffett saying, you know, don't lose money. Um, is is I think really critical, and I I think a lot of folks think they're investing, but they're actually trading, and that's where I think it it kind of bites when when things don't go right. Yes, yes. Annuities and things like that, where do they fall into the puzzle of what you do? So I'll go back to my uh, my comment before about there being uh, good, middle, and and bad products. Uh, annuities are are no different. Um, if they're they're the right types of annuities that are structured correctly, being used for the right purpose, um, there is no better tool to create streams of income. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, that's uh, creating passive streams of income is the end result. That's what we're all going for. 
Are you set up to work with individuals across the country or just on a local level? Tell me, how is it structured? What What do you have in, in mind or in a, as a plan for individuals? You bet. So I am. Uh, I can be licensed in pretty much any state uh, in the in the U.S. Um, I'm currently licensed in basically all the Western states, and when I say licensed, I'm referring to insurance licensed. Um, I do. I hold a Series 65 um, licensed as a investment advisor representative in the state of Washington, and uh, but basically, I can work with anyone in the country um, in most areas. And if you had to sum it up for a listener and tell them in just a few sentences why they should work with John, what would you say? I would say because John is very mission-oriented. I care about their success. That's why I do this. I stepped out of a successful career into this for that sole purpose. I like that answer. That's an awesome answer. And, you know, we didn't talk about what you were actually doing before you got into this business. What was your career before getting into financial services? You bet. I was in uh, industrial sales. So I I traveled around the western United States selling industrial supplies. So nuts and bolts and hard hats and safety supplies and and things like that. I ran ran national account programs uh, for a large national distributor. That's a big transition, big transition. Huge transition. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, but when you when you talk about life, to do better, that's what it's all about. When you want to make a transition to do something better and find a way of doing it, uh, you have to make some tough decisions. Absolutely. And that's That's what it's all about, particularly when you want to become uh, financially independent. Speaking of which, What's your definition of the word boundless? If you had to say or answer that question, what would you provide as a definition to the word boundless? Boundless. Uh, without boundaries. I mean, I think, I think that's a, a great definition of the human experience, right? Anything is possible. We have no boundaries. We can, we can essentially be and experience anything. We can create any kind of life we want to create. Um, and I, I, it's, that's one of the most wonderful things about being alive, right? Absolutely. I would concur. Is there anything that you want to add at this point in time, John? Um, I, you know, I don't think so. We've had a great conversation and um, I've, I've enjoyed being able to share some of my personal and professional philosophies. And uh, I hope your your uh, listeners got some value bombs from it. Absolutely. And provide your social information and how listeners can contact you one more time, please, sir. You bet. The best way to reach me is at my website, which is jensley.com. And uh, my, my telephone and email contact info is there. There's also a little button that says, uh, if you'd like to see if we're the good fit for you, click here and that'll take you over to my calendar and you can schedule an appointment for a, a, a quick call just to get acquainted and, and see if we might be a good match. Fantastic. Well, John, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. And I look forward to hearing from you in the future with all of your great successes, okay? Thank you very much, Otis. It's been my absolute pleasure to be here. Any comments, feedback, or suggestions regarding this podcast, 
is welcome. For a motivational speaker, Les Brown once said, It's okay to fail, because if you land on your back, you can look up and then get up. Until next time, take care.